Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I ended up going back to UCLA to get a certificate of sustainability. And basically ever since I've been focused on three questions. What is my impact? What can I do about it? And how can I help scale positive outcomes and solutions? Welcome neighbors to Hometown Earth, the podcast that brings a down-to-earth approach to all of your sustainability questions. I'm your host, Lena Sanford, here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here, we believe that everyone can change the world. Do you believe? I'm a Midwest gal with big dreams to discover what it takes to reduce my impact on this beautiful place we call Hometown Earth. Join me every Tuesday as we navigate what actions we can take, big or small, to make a positive impact in your life and the lives of your neighbors on Hometown Earth. Hello, neighbors. Today's episode got me thinking a lot about professional athletes and how so often we look to them for inspiration, guidance, and heck, even style advice. Today's guest is not only a professional athlete, he's an impact athlete. Someone who is using their voice in the world of professional athletics for good. Jeremy Casebeer is a professional beach volleyball player and host of Our Impact podcast, working to accelerate climate solutions and protect our oceans. While he's not dominating in the sand as a champion and three-time best server of the Association of Volleyball Professionals, or the AVP, He's working as an ambassador for Parlay for the Oceans and Forest Stewardship Council, as well as using his platform to scale his impact and partnering with responsible brands that he loves. Jeremy spends his off-season living and competing in Rio de Janeiro. He is a self-proclaimed avid amateur photographer, surfer, and nature lover. In this episode, we chat about Jeremy's journey to becoming an impact athlete, how others can use their platforms for good, and his podcast, Our Impact. If you want to hear more about the work that Jeremy is doing over at Our Impact, I'll link it in the show notes and new episodes drop every Thursday. This one is sure to be a hit, so let's get going with Jeremy Casebeer. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us here on Hometown Earth today. Let's just dive right on in. Um, You know, you started out in environmental studies and poli-sci in college. Can you tell us just a little bit more about maybe even what started your journey and what cultivated your love for the environment and nature starting even maybe even as a kid? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Really excited for our conversation. Um, I guess it started kind of growing up in Santa Barbara. I was fortunate to basically live in the foothills, have hikes right out my back door and get to go surfing and camping a lot growing up. And then I had a teacher in high school, AP Environmental Science, and he basically painted what the situation is and how dire things are but also kind of highlight the optimistic possibilities, the solutions. And we got to go on a field trip out to Santa Cruz Island off the coast of uh, Santa Barbara. And it was amazing. Really cool group of kids that went, got to plant endemic species, build greenhouses, and basically explore all over the island and got a view of what California looked like hundreds of years ago before all the industrialization and building. So that kind of pure view of what California could be just kind of opened my eyes and went on to study at UCLA. 
Wow. So I got to ask, and you probably get this all the time. Who, <laughs> when did you get the nickname, the Lorax? Yeah. So that was <laughs> given to me. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm, we're doing video. So I have a pretty surprisingly symmetrical two-tone mustache. I got that in high school, <laughs> snowboarding at Mammoth. Got a really bad sunburn um, over a long weekend. Didn't put on any sunscreen. It literally burned the pigment out. It just happened oh to be perfectly God. symmetrical. Um, in my first year playing beach volleyball professionally, um, the announcer for the AVP, one of the funniest guys ever, Chris McGee or Geeter, um, had just seen the Lorax with his kids. And he, that was the first time meeting me. He's just like, Lorax, what's up, man? Oh my um, gosh. And then after that tournament, like going down the strand or the bike path in Hermosa beach in Manhattan, people just a few days later, like, Hey, Lorax is like, Oh and then God. another person did. I'm like, oh, I guess that's my nickname now. So obviously yeah. it fits well with the uh, with what I'm trying to do with sustainability and the environment. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. You know, you're a really good example for following your passions in volleyball and still being able to live a sustainable life. So um, I'll link, I think that's a barrier for a lot of people. And, you know, we kind of try to break that down here on this show is that you can still do what you love while still caring for the environment. So can you tell us a little bit more about when you realized that um, kind of the life that you were living was a bit unsustainable and how you transitioned into the space that you're in now? Yeah. So basically when I was graduating from UCLA, I studied environmental studies and was considering something with sustainable development or maybe working with nonprofits, um, but decided to take a hard left turn. I had played indoor volleyball at UCLA and always preferred beach and figured I could give it a try. I'd never go back to playing beach volleyball if I, you know, jumped into a traditional career right away. So in those first six months, I got to play in on the Australian, New Zealand tour, and then also traveled to Bali, Thailand, Turkey, and Israel. And I was pretty hooked after that. Yeah. Um, but I've always been looking for a way to gain experience and relevant skill sets while I'm playing because the transition from professional athlete to traditional career can be pretty rough at times and there's no 401ks and uh, jump serving does not really translate to a resume very well. So um, (laughs) it's been a long kind of meandering path to try and figure out how I can connect the dots. But one turning point was when I went to a Jack Johnson concert in Santa Barbara and saw that he had aluminum cups, no single-use plastic. The food was delicious. It was locally sourced. They were using biodiesel generators instead of traditional electricity. I was like, this is amazing. We should do this in beach volleyball because we basically, you know, it's a similar setup. We're traveling eight, 10 places throughout the summer and basically building a mini city. And the AVP (laughs) loved the idea, but they're like, how much is this going to cost and who's going to run it? I'm like, I'm not sure yet. (laughs) So (laughs) I ended up going back to UCLA to get a certificate of sustainability. And basically ever since I've been focused on three questions, what is my impact? What can I do about it? And how can I help scale positive outcomes and solutions? Um, And I think it's really, as I'm sure you're aware, like it's a very daunting task to what is my impact? What can I do? Where do I begin? What is the most relevant impacts? Like what really matters? Um, So I basically decided to get my own house in order first. I measured my carbon footprint for one of my classes, and that was mind-blowing because I spent half the year in Rio de Janeiro where I have family and half the year traveling throughout the U.S. to compete. So obviously that's a massive impact. So I started offsetting my personal carbon footprint, started offsetting my plastic footprint, and then changing my diet. And But even if I – I had this feeling that even if I lived – 
air quotes, a perfectly sustainable life, which doesn't really exist. Yeah. It's, I'm still just one person, but I'm connected to a ton of athletes and through the sport of volleyball and have opportunity to talk with brands and nonprofits. So I started looking outside. What else can I do? Um, So that's where I started to look to nonprofits who are doing the good work on the front lines, but may not have the budget to work with athletes or, you know, produce content or have that wider distribution because there's so many solutions that exist, but they're not talked about and they're not as well known. So I became an ambassador for Parlay for the Oceans, who works with Ocean Plastic and also Forest Stewardship Council that works with sustainable forestry. And then I also had a shift where obviously being a professional athlete, you have to work with brands, but it doesn't have to be as, you don't have to sell out basically. You can work with brands that are aligned with your values that take transparent action that have third-party certifications like B Corp, 1% for the planet, climate neutral, and work with them in a meaningful way. Tell cool stories, you know, find brands and products that you actually like, that you would actually spend your own money on, that you would promote to your friends and family, not just sling a discount code on social media. Yeah. So I've been very fortunate to work with a number of brands that are exactly that. They have their party certifications. They're constantly improving, constantly trying to understand what their impact is and what they can do about it. Right. Yeah. That's a rambling answer, but. No, you're fine. You kind of touched on so many different things that I'm going to try to try to piece together in my mind. So um, let's just talk a little bit, you know, more about these brands that you're working with, because I think you know, a lot of people see professional athletes as their role models. You know, that's, you see kids, you know, wearing the same things that professional athletes wear and following them on social media. And, you know, even adults, not even just kids, like adults um, are paying attention to what y'all are doing. So what essentially are some ways that you can scale your impact to brands and even beyond? So dive a little bit more into the work that you're doing with these brands. Last year, I started working with uh, John Balcom at Third Wing Group, and he's kind of my manager, manager and agent. And we've really just been in it together trying to figure out exactly that question. How do you work with brands in a meaningful way right. and have an impact greater than the traditional sports sponsorship model? Right. So looking for brands that have B Corp, 1%, climate neutral, organic, all these third-party certifications, because basically you can't bullshit with those. That's <laughs> to the point. Right. All these nonprofits it's, it's all above board. Um, and then also thinking about how can I move beyond, you know, throwing their logo on my board shorts when I compete or doing social media posts. Um, I got into photography a few years ago and we were talking a little bit about videography and photography before we started recording. And I've never been artistic. I've always been an athlete, love sports, love being active and can't draw for shit, but (laughs) (laughs) I started carrying a camera and like I took thousands and thousands and thousands of terrible pictures and then I get a couple good ones and like these are awesome. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like trial and error and I just loved it. So and I realized I had this really cool network of friends um, in LA and Rio that were amazing videographers and photographers. I'm like, well, how can I work with them? Let's create some content for these brands. So um, I started working with Fair Harbor this year and did a video in Rio de Janeiro at Ipanema Beach in the mountains in the rainforest. Wow. And it was amazing. It was so much fun. Yeah. Um, and the video came out really cool. It was a product launch for their new board shorts, the Ozones. And it was just so much fun. I'm like, all right, let's do more of this. So I did another one for them for their fall collection. And then I just did a 
video announcing Garden of Life, a B Corp supplement company. They actually have like 13 certifications, um, <laughs> but they just became carbon neutral. So I shot a video for them up in Santa Barbara um, announcing that they're carbon neutral. So I think just trying to think outside the box, how do you go beyond traditional sports sponsorship? How do you work with brands that have a clear impact, have these third-party certifications? And how do you help them achieve their business goals? Because obviously they have they have to see a return on investment. Right. But how can you help them tell their story in a meaningful way that aligns with both your values and is engaging? Yeah, absolutely. So kind of even in that realm, then do you, how has support been, you said that the AVP was really supportive of your ideas. Have your fellow like teammates been on board? Have you been able to kind of share the good word with them and, and your social media platforms? How's that gone? Yeah. So basically this last year, Waste management, the large, what everyone kind of thinks of trash or recycling yep. company. They do a lot more <laughs> than <everywhere>. that. <laughs> yeah, but they also work a ton in sports. So they work with NASCAR. They work with the Phoenix Open for PGA Golf, which is like the highest standards in sporting and sustainable events. It's zero waste. They yeah. offset their carbon footprint, plastic footprint. It's amazing. So this last year with AVP, they came on as a kind of a strategic advisor to help understand the basic footprint of the tour, the operations, what are the impacts. And then this next year, moving into 2022, we're going to be implementing different strategies and looking at suppliers, looking at the athletes, looking at the other sponsors involved and making changes. So that's coming down the pipe in 2022. And like you said, the fun part is I get to work with my friends on tour and try and educate them a little bit because not there's not many other players that are really in this space and right. have really cited in school or anything, but everyone wants to get involved. I did the first beach cleanup with Surfrider and the AVP a couple of years ago, and it was amazing. The response was incredible. Fans, I could only do, I think, two or three that year, and all the other tour stops fans were coming up like, oh, when's the next one? How do we get involved? Like ocean plastic and obviously living and training at the beach, like it's all it's all right in our face and it's very clear and tangible what the problem is and that we need to do something about it. So I think providing athletes, fans, sponsors, leagues, teams, and just the broader sports community in general, an opportunity to get involved and like an on-ramp to take action is huge. That's what people want. People want that sense of community and people want to feel like they're really having a tangible difference. Right. I kind of like that you're working, you know, with the organization, because I think that's something that, you know, we try to get across is that it has to come at every level. So like you're working with the organization and in these broader groups, but also um, you kind of talk about being an impact athlete. And that's for not only just professional athletes, but like you're saying, like fans or even like high school athletes um, that that want to get involved. So can you tell us a little bit more about maybe what an impact athlete is to you? Yeah, absolutely. So it's constantly evolving, but basically I think <laughs> it comes down to those three questions. What is your impact? What can you do about it? And how can you help scale positive outcomes and solutions? So everyone has different interests. And I think it's really important just to see what you're most passionate about. Is it... Uh, ocean plastic and ocean health? Is it forests? Is it the mountains? Is it, you know, equal opportunity? Is it access to clean and healthy food? There's so many issues, but the interesting thing is it all really ties back to climate in one way or another. So go deep in what you're most interested in and then see who you can support. You don't have to reinvent the wheel from scratch. There's so many good nonprofits. And now there's so many different businesses that are also giving back 
One yeah. of my other sponsors, Mir, is a water bottle company. I have some of those. They're awesome. <laughs> yeah. And on the bottom of every single product, they have a literally a giving code that shows the nonprofit and projects that they support. I'm like, Amazing. that's the kind of brand I want to work with. Like, right. you don't have to start from scratch. Learn what you can, get started, take a few steps, and then see who else you can work with and support. Because the other thing I've realized, too, is a lot of these brands and nonprofits, they all work together. A lot of them already know each other. So. Right. It's just kind of like a virtuous cycle. You know, not even, not everybody's going to get brand sponsorships or anything if they're just like a, a regular athlete that loves what they do, um, but they can still support these brands and you're kind of bringing it to light. Like here, here are the ones that I love and that might be down your same road of interest. What would you say was, are you on the beach side of things of, of a uh, cleanup? <laughs> What's your passion? Yeah, I mean... I've literally lived at the beach for the last 15 years, <laughs> yeah, the last five yeah. or six years. I've been going from Hermosa to Beach, California to Rio de Janeiro. So literally year round. Right. And obviously I love beach volleyball. I love both cities, um, but I also love being in the mountains. So yeah. I think, yeah, I don't, I can't really, can't I guess I'm a little one. bit all over the place. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd say I do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you see like while you're on the road traveling for any of these, like, do you see the impacts of climate change uh, or do you just really get to um, appreciate all that is wonderful in nature and kind of want to protect it? Where do you, where are you coming from there? Yeah. So I've definitely experienced it myself. Um, obviously beach volleyball is you're at the beach. Yep. It's very warm, especially in Brazil. Mm. You know, you can be playing in 90 or hundred degree weather, full humidity, hundred yeah. percent humidity. And a lot of the tournaments, they have to change the structure of the tournament to allow longer breaks in between side changes, timeouts in between sets so that you're not pushing the athletes too far because heat exhaustion right. is a real thing or heat stroke. And then one of the tournaments in Chicago, like the last two, three years has the beach has been eroded away because there's so much more water and the sand is disappearing and they had to completely change the format of the tournament. Normally we have in one location, a center court, and then two or three other main courts. And they had to shift all those courts and just have one court there and then the rest at another location nearby because the beach is literally eroding and there's so much more water and storms. And yeah, yeah, it was wild. I remember warming up for my match and I see waves lapping underneath the structure of the grandstands. They had to like bring in tractors and like build up berms of sand to protect it. I'm like, that uh, doesn't seem right. Yeah, that's that's intense. I can't even imagine seeing that and being able to continue to play like with yeah. a clear head, you know, that's, that's yeah. stuff. Well, so what advice, I guess, would you say that you have for um, athletes that are trying to get involved or even fans that are trying to get involved with the climate work that you're doing specifically? Yeah, I think just get started. Um, A few resources that I found super useful just in my own learning. I mean, there's a ton of podcasts out there just like yours, um, How to Save a Planet. Um, My podcast I started six months ago or so is called Our Impact, which is answering those same questions and having people from business, nonprofits, sports that are doing good work and kind of sharing these solutions and their experiences. And then Project Drawdown is a great reference. I learned a lot from them. And that was kind of a turning point in my own kind of understanding of where things are at is only 3% of climate discussion is about solutions. The other 97% is about gloom and doom, basically the causes and effects, how screwed we are and why we're screwed, which is obviously important to understand. But 
people don't respond to fear and anxiety and chaos unless there's a clear roadmap. Right. And that's what Project Drawdown and the work of Paul Hawk and then many others are starting to do is here's the problem, here's what we're working towards, and then here's how we're going to get there. So I definitely recommend Project Drawdown if you're interested in kind of learning. They just came out with a YouTube series that gives a great overview. And then Paul Hawkins' latest book, Regeneration, is also fantastic. So yeah, I guess I'd recommend get started, take that first step, see what see what you can do yourself, individual actions at home, see what you can do in your community, what nonprofits or organizations you can support. And just talking about it is massively powerful. Um, Catherine Hayhoe, who's a leading climate scientist, she's, I believe she's a Christian in Texas and she's a leading climate scientist and like master <laughs> communicator on all things climate change. She says the most impactful thing you can do is just speak about it because not that many people speak about it. And if you don't speak about it, why would you care about it? And if you don't care about it, why would you change? So that's the first step is speaking about it, even though it doesn't feel like as, yes. I don't know, me meteor <laughs> impactful, but just simply showing people that you care about it is a massive first step you can take. So yeah, let's talk about uh, your podcast, Our Impact, a little bit more. I mean, like I said, I'm starting to connect the dots, but I'm still learning more every day. So getting to talk to all these amazing business leaders, nonprofit leaders, athletes, yeah. researchers. It's just, I feel a little selfish because I'm kind of scratching my own itch and curiosity, but <laughs> no. from so many people I've talked to, it's, these are the conversations that we need to start having more of and highlight what people are already doing and how, if you want to, and if you have inclination, you can help support. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what we're doing here is I yeah. started with, you know, like you said, tickling my own itch and yeah. um, just tried to, you know, branch out from there. So that's what I think is so great about, um, you know, our our podcasts are similar, but they can provide so much more to the listener in, you know, it reinforces the, the same uh, thoughts in different ways, I guess you exactly. could say. And you have a different experience than I do. And yeah. people will resonate with your experience, just like some athletes or volleyball players, or whatever may resonate with mine. Absolutely. And that's why it's so important for everyone to kind of dive in and tell yeah. their own stories and explore yeah. similar connected ideas from different uh, perspectives. Yeah. And building that community. And, you know, one of the things I had um, Dave Johnson on, he's a um, professor and lawyer at um, Stanford. And he, you know, one of the things that he talked about that I thought was really interesting was, you know, we just need to be like people like me and you, we need to be talking to each other and figuring out, you know, what, how we can build on each other's knowledge. So part of what you're doing with our impact is sharing that knowledge. I think you also like write blog posts and do other stuff. So what other, like, do you have supplemental stuff to, to uh, your podcast that, you're hoping to draw people to other than the brand partnerships? I am writing for blogs for some of my brand partners. Um, nice. But yeah, there's so much you can do with podcasting. Like once you have an interesting conversation, you can create little clips for social, you can create yeah. blogs, you can create series around it. So that's one thing I'd love to do is create an impact athlete series on the podcast, create mm -hmm. a B Corp series on the podcast. Yeah. So I have a lot of aspirations and ideas, but right now it's just kind of get these next 10 episodes yeah. for season one <laughs> out and as high quality as possible because it's a lot yeah. of as a, as you know it's a lot of effort to research record schedule produce and all yeah. the rest but it's a fun yeah. process and learning a lot every day uh, i have to ask this question who is your like dream if you could have a professional athlete on your podcast oh. who is your dream oh. like guest that is a fantastic question i right now 
Oh, I've never been asked that. Right now, <laughs> I would say, I mean, Lewis Hamilton. I think he's okay. he's amazing. Yeah. Um, what he's achieved in in his sport is just outrageous. It's like hard to fathom. Yeah. Um, I started watching. I got hooked on F one through Drive to Survive, and he's got such a compelling story, and he's yeah. just super smart, well spoken, and he's lever. He's got one of the most massive platforms in the world and he's going about leveraging it to you know have a positive social and environmental impact in such a authentic way so i think yeah that's kind of like the gold standard he's doing it so well himself so i would love to have a conversation with him nice yeah i mean i think that you keep touching on the right word like using your platform so um you know as long as we are like we pretty much everyone has a platform. It might not be as big as yours because you do have, you know, you're a professional athlete with tons of fans, but like each person, even one person putting something out or resharing your content um, to give more information is so valuable. And so that's why I love that um, you're doing that. I think everything that you're doing is amazing and I really appreciate it. Um, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you kind of want to share with the audience a little bit more? No, um, I would just like to say thank you. You're very good at what you do and ask really <laughs> thoughtful questions. And it's been super fun to come on. Um, yeah. yeah, I guess check out our impact podcast. And then if you want to connect, I'm active on Instagram and LinkedIn. So awesome. please reach out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us and hope you have a good rest of your day. Yeah, you too. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Hometown Earth as much as I did. Let us know by rating and subscribing so you never miss an episode. New episodes drop every week on Tuesday. Head to the show notes linked in the episode description for more details. And let us know in the comments what you want to hear next. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. And you can find more about the podcast on Instagram at Hometown Earth or connect with me personally personally at Lena Saintford. We all know change needs to happen. So let's get started right here at Hometown Earth. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.